Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. I'm your host, Joe Webb, and this is a podcast for spiritual exiles, for all of us trying to find our spiritual footing outside the walls and fences of institutional Christianity and organized religion. It's been a while. (laughs) It's been a hot minute since we dropped a new episode, Uh, and that's actually what I plan to talk about uh, a little bit today. Uh, If you have been following us for a while, you might recall um, last fall, my father passed away um, the end of August at age 87 after a fairly quick but not totally unexpected decline in his health. With the support of many close friends and colleagues, I decided to take a break from producing new content for the Accidental Tomatoes website, Um, you know, just to give myself some space to process the emotions of dad's death and to deal with some of the practical aspects of, you know, like settling the estate and things like that, which turned out to be a a way bigger job than I imagined. And actually, I'm going to get into a little bit more of that here in just a minute. Um, I'd intended for for that little break to last, you know, maybe a month or or two. Uh, but we're now, you know, at the time I'm recording this, a little over five months out, and I am just now finally starting to to find the creativity and the motivation to kind of you know get back in the saddle, as they say. It's it's still a struggle, to be honest. Some days, um, and, and I can't honestly promise quite yet what our production schedule is going to look like going forward. But um, sometimes I've found, you know, just putting the metaphorical pen to paper, as they say, is enough to get the juices flowing again, right? So so let's just see uh, where all of this takes us. I, I will talk towards the end of the episode a little more about some of our future plans for the podcast and for our companion blog here at AccidentalTomatoes.com. Uh, but for now... I just kind of want to take a few minutes and try to just kind of talk openly and plainly and honestly about what the whole grieving process has been like for me um, through my own lens of spiritual deconstruction and reconstruction. Um, hopefully, this will strike a chord with with some of you who maybe you're also experiencing loss in the midst of redefining your beliefs or deconstructing your 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 spirituality or your religious systems. Because um, one of the things that I found uh, early on uh, after Dad passed away was that I didn't really have the same paradigms for processing death and for mourning. Uh, that I had prior to deconstructing. Um, and, and there were and sometimes still are times when I find that I don't really have much of a foundation to stand on, to be honest, which, as you might imagine, can make things considerably more difficult from time to time. You know, for as long as I can remember, my inherited Christian faith told me that we could always take comfort in knowing that our deceased loved ones were in heaven with Jesus, right? And and that subtext sort of supported everything else in the grieving process. Yes, there is sadness. Yes, there is sorrow. There is loss. But at least we know, right, that we'll meet again in the great by and by. Um, But for a lot of us, those old constructs just really don't work anymore. And I'm not saying 
I don't believe in heaven or, or even an afterlife in general. Honestly, I'm not really sure what I believe about those things, uh, at least, you know, in large part. But I certainly don't just blindly believe in those things the way I once did. Um, it's interesting to me, actually, to think about the ways in which both of my parents' deaths have kind of marked significant, like, shifts or milestones in my own spiritual life. Um, when my mother passed away in 2004, I was just beginning to wander back into Christianity after nearly 20 years of honestly pretty thorough indifference. Now, you know, I'm not saying that mom's death was exactly a catalyst for my kind of return into, you know, church life, uh, so to speak, but but it certainly was part of the mixture of influences that were working in my life at that time, um, like alongside, you know, raising our two kids and, and our search for, you know, for community to be part of. Um, and so now, like almost 20 years later, my dad's passing comes after a decade or more of several waves uh, of spiritual deconstruction and, and reconstruction. Uh, my own theology of death has evolved significantly through that time. And, and many of the just simple comforts of a simple faith um, that so many of us really lean on in these times just honestly no longer really work for me. Um, I, I neither fear the threat of eternal conscious torment nor the dream of eternal conscious delight, at least not in any like individualistic sort of sort of way. Um, the only, you know, belief, air quotes around belief, the only belief that I really cling to, and, and I use that word belief pretty loosely, is is the notion that life is somehow eternal because love is eternal. In um, the eulogy I gave at, at my dad's funeral, I, I cited my two favorite theologians, um, Richard Rohr, who says that resurrection is the observable pattern uh, of all of life and all of the cosmos, uh, and Bono, who said in the U2 song, California, there is no end to grief because there is no end to love. But, you know, I, I think our thoughts about the afterlife are really only a, a portion of the kind of complex swirl of ingredients that go into the grieving process, like writ large, you know, um, some of it is, is simple and predictable. Like, you know, the, the melancholy that, that comes when I start to pick up the phone to, to call dad about something just habitually, right. Or, or to text him in the middle of a, a West Virginia football or basketball game or, or to send him a photo of some cool wildflower or bird for him to, to identify, you know, there's, there's those little moments where just like the sadness of loss sort of hits you in a moment. Um, and there's, you know, there's elements of the, the so-called stages of grief, you know, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, so forth. All of those are certainly present in some way, um, but they don't really come in any particular order or sequence. And sometimes uh, they overlap in really weird and unpredictable ways. And um, so, like I say, they're, they're kind of there, um, but it's not, it's not like, um, it's not like a, process that you just check things off off of a off a list as they occur um there there is those things those stages of grief um are also influenced by other factors i've learned i i was talking to my therapist a couple of weeks ago about how my season seasonal depression kind of just the winter blahs i've always sort of referred to them uh, has has been a little more difficult than than usual this year and she kind of had to remind me that 
you know, I'm still grieving. I, I haven't probably fully embraced that acceptance phase, you know, of, of the process yet. And so there's layers, right, of some of these things of depression and anxiety uh, that are partly rooted in grief and also partly rooted in things like, you know, um, seasonal depression or whatever. Uh, and then there's just all of those things, and I kind of alluded to this uh, back at the beginning, all of those things that have to be done after someone dies. My sister and I have been learning something new almost every day as we've walked through this process, just the pure amount of paperwork that goes with, you know, filing insurance claims and closing bank accounts and settling property and estate issues, tracking down tax records, so many more little bits of just minutia that at times can just be overwhelming for survivors. And I've noticed that that's not really something that you hear people talk about. Like that's been kind of a new experience uh, to, to see how all of that plays into um, your emotional response, you know, in, in the grieving process. And so, you know, in addition to to whatever your grief looks like, there's also like the the nostalgia, right? The sentimentality um, over things. You know, like one of the things we've noticed as we've kind of gone through uh, the house, you know, what keepsakes need to be preserved, right? And, and we, what do you need to just let go, right? How how can you emotionally detach yourself from from the home and the land that you grew up on, um, and, and you know, be able to deal with, you know, like selling that to somebody else, you know, to, to see the, the property we lived on was in our family for, you know, several generations. And, and while there's some, you know, obviously I think some problematic things around the concept of property ownership, it's still the emotions that surround that stuff are, are very real and, and simple religious platitudes, um, about like, God not giving you more than you can handle or trusting God's timing or whatever. They're, they're just counterproductive, um, to the deconstructing or the deconstructed mind. Not only are they not helpful, there, there are ways in which they're almost like sinister. It, it feels somewhat like almost like being bullied into rushing through or, or even just kind of rejecting your grief, right? Um, but there are a few things and, and I've noticed a lot of times it's the little things that make, make things bearable that keep you from, you know, kind of falling into, um, any real depths of depression sometimes. Obviously the love and support of family, uh, of course, tops that list. We, uh, you know, on top of my dad passing away, his youngest brother, one of my uncles, um, died very unexpectedly just a couple months later. And so, you know, my surviving aunts and uncles have had to deal with the loss of two brothers. My sister and I, obviously our, our dad and a beloved uncle went and, and without, yeah, we're, we're just really grateful for, um, the, the, the support that we have, you know, within one another, within our family. Um, but there's, there's also these little things like, um, weekly, you know, cups of coffee or, or, or happy hours with, um, with a little group of friends that I meet with on a regular basis, or, or just going out for a walk in the woods on a sunny day, or, or we, we had a, a, a snow day here a couple weeks ago, a, a Friday and Saturday where it snowed real hard and, um, just kind of holing up in the kitchen and cooking all of the comfort food, man, there was just some great like relief in, in, in that whole, um, process. Um, but of course, you know, in the end, grief is grief and we all experience it in our own unique ways. It, um, 
I've learned that it requires being more patient with yourself than you might normally be, um, at least to try to work through it in the most healthy way you can. Um, sometimes uh, it means asking other people to be more patient with you than maybe you're comfortable um, with asking, you know, set, setting some boundaries around yourself and um, and being willing to, you know, say no to things that um, that you might feel some pressure to say yes to um, because other people aren't experiencing your grief. Only you are. Um, and one other thing, you know, before I kind of as we move towards the end of this, I cannot recommend therapy highly enough. I mentioned a minute ago uh, something, I, a conversation with my therapist. I started seeing my therapist last April when it was starting to become obvious that dad was probably not going to get better. And I was really lucky to find a good match on my first try. Um, but but the process of weekly therapy um, in, in those early months helped me kind of frame my relationship with my dad in a way that radically decreased my anxiety during his last few months. Um, and, and also, obviously, to process my emotions, um, you know, when he finally did die and in the months uh, in the months since. Um, it, it's also what helped me not rush back into this work of creating and curating content here at Accidental Tomatoes. Um, admittedly, uh, I felt a little guilty and, and, and had more than a little bit of anxiety over this extended hiatus. Uh, you know, like I said, five months long at this point, but I wasn't ready till I was ready. And and I'm still working through some of that. And uh, so, as I noted, you know, like I said, back at the beginning of, of our sort of um, relaunch, may kind of come in fits and starts, right, for a little bit until we sort of get, you know, into a groove, into a new routine um, as something like that starts to emerge. Uh, one thing I will say here as, as we start to close things out, I, I am really excited to share with you all uh, as we look forward into our fifth season here at the Accidental Tomatoes podcast is that we have a new co-host coming on board. I could not be more thrilled uh, to let you all know that Heather Moore, who has been part of our content team for the last couple of years and has been a guest here uh, on the podcast a handful of times, is going to come alongside me. Uh, we're going to retool things a little bit. We're going to shift our focus a little more intentionally toward issues related to um, to Appalachia and to um, you know this this whole notion of being a spiritual exile in a place like Appalachia. Um, we both, Heather and I both believe that we are um, witnessing the beginnings of a cultural renaissance in these, in these hills and hollers. And, um, and we're going to talk about the intersections of culture and politics and economics and deconstructing spirituality in the really unique and marvelous context that is Appalachia. So, uh, so buckle up, y'all. <laughs> it's, it's about to get good and weird up in here now. So, uh, so if you've, if you've stuck around this long, uh, I just want to say thanks again. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for listening, uh, for being so patient and supportive, um, and for being, you know, part of this community. Uh, um, you know, we've had this little break for a few months, hoping to get back on a regular release schedule sooner rather than later. Um, but meanwhile, if you could, uh, please, uh, if you could give us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast, we would appreciate that so much. That's one of the ways uh, that new folks can can find us and can become part of this community and get engaged with uh, the work that we're doing here. And, and we still, we continue to do the work because we feel like it's important work. And uh, as I said at the beginning, I hope um, that somehow some of this resonates with you. Maybe, maybe if you're also in that place of um, of loss and you're trying to sort through 
you know, how, how, how do you process that in the context of your own um, deconstruction or sense of, um, of spiritual exile? Uh, I hope this is helpful to you. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to, um, to Heather coming on board, uh, probably in our next episode and, uh, starting to work together with her because Heather, Heather is, um, the widely renowned as the snark queen of Appalachia. And, uh, she is a delight to work with. And so I can't wait to, to do more work with Heather and for you all to hear, um, some of the really important things that she has to say and to, to share in this space. So thanks again so much, uh, again, for being part of our community, for listening. And until next time, keep on growing outside the fences and join us for another brand new episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast.